0: Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and Happy New Year. Welcome to the first edition of Talking Money for the year 2020. Hard to believe it's here already, isn't it? But this is the beginning of the 14th year of Talking Money, so been on the air for quite a while now, and have enjoyed uh, pretty much every minute of it. I guess you could never say every minute of it, but it's been uh, a, a great run, and I hope that you have gained a lot of information from the topics that we've discussed on Talking Money. It's always interesting when I run into somebody who's been a listener, especially one who's been a listener for a long time, which means we predate even WGTK and go back to WMUU when we first started talking money. So we go back a little ways there, but I'm, I'm here to answer your questions. And for you, for your new listener, I need to clarify some things because we're, uh, I'm not uh, your typical um, money show or money program on uh, talking radio, not just on WGTK, but everywhere I listen to it. Uh, that you, somebody's typically trying to sell you something. They have some hidden agenda. They're, they're not going to tell you that. They're not going to say, I'm selling insurance, I'm selling annuities, I'm selling mutual funds, whatever they're selling. They're not going to tell you. But we don't sell any products. So, uh, this is not, there's no hidden agenda here. We're, we're just trying to educate. I'm trying to help you educate. Of course, if, if we can help by having someone come to the office and be a, a client of, of Ronald Blue Trust, that's, That's uh, hopefully a win-win for everybody. But for the show we're talking about today, we're just educating, trying to give you information that you can use, whether or not you become a client of any financial planner, Ronald Blue Trust or whomever it is, that you can get the information you need to be a better consumer, a, a better planner on your own, uh, or even if you work with an advisor, you'll be a better client the more you know and the more educated that you are. If you want to get more information, we've got a lot of free information on the website, TalkingMoneyRadio.com. TalkingMoneyRadio.com. If you go there, you'll see the archives, it'll say radio shows, you can go there, put in a topic, you know, to come up with the shows that we actually talked about that we probably didn't talk about the whole time, sometimes we do, but we at least, we give you some information about that particular subject by going to that particular show. Each of them take about 47 minutes when you take out the, the commercials, the news, and all that kind of thing, but... It's and you can start stop it's it's your little podcast you can do it I know we have some regular listeners who always listen to the podcast they don't listen to live when we're here on Saturday mornings but they do listen live or listen to the the blogs later. So we're here to answer questions so eight seven seven two three five nine four zero five and if you can't figure that out the ninety four oh five is ninety four point five so ninety four oh five maybe that'll help you remember the number so eight seven seven two three five nine four zero five you can text us questions you can of course call' this is a live call in program so we'd love it when you call and we can answer those questions live or if I don't know the answer I'll tell you I don't know the answer and we'll get back to you in a future talking money program to help answer that question. I have a lot of resources, a lot of experts at my disposal within Ronald Blue Trust and also just local experts around the, around town. Around the upstate that I've used many, many times, whether it's an estate planning attorney, tax attorney, a CPA, a insurance person, whomever it is, I've got a lot of contacts with those people that I can get the answer and make sure it's the right answer because that's certainly a, a a desire of mine, a pet peeve maybe, it's to, to make sure things are accurate. The information that I give is accurate. And I don't want to just talk about, okay, we can save taxes or we can help Social Security. And we can help save this. We can help save No, I want to give you specific information information that you can use, tell you where the savings comes from. Next week we'll be talking about IRAs. I've had several questions from listeners talking, asking me questions about IRA distributions and it can be very tricky. the The whole IRA rules book is very thick, very detailed, very confusing for most people, even financial advisors. And so I want to help Try to clarify some of that. So next week will be a really good educational part on, on IRAs. And of course, we want to, we want to talk about what you want to hear and we want to, to talk about the things you need to know more about. So if you want to give us a topic, go to talkingmoneyradio.com and there's a place there to send me a message and ask Mike a question. So you can put uh, your email in there and say, this is what I think it'd really be nice to hear more about this. And so it's, it's, there's no strings attached to that. I'm not going to be getting back to you and say, what exactly, you know, how can I help you, or how can you be a client? Am I, that's, that's not the goal here at all, but we do want to educate. So if you have that question, there's more than likely a lot of other people that are listening have the same question, so we would want to help them to understand whatever topic it is that you want information about as well. All right, so we get we we're into the the new year. So we're just a few days into the new year. We've had uh, an up, uh, and maybe this is a sign of the volatility to come. With uh, Thursday being up so much and Friday being down, but Friday wasn't down as as much as as Thursday was up. So we're off to a positive start for the year. But there's a lot of things going on here, and I always like to reflect at the first part of the year. What was it like for the year before? What what happened in 2019? What were the experts predicting was going to happen because this is something else I think you always need to keep in mind is that you're going to you're going to read a lot this time of year end of last month and the first several weeks of this year because people seem like they always want to know what's going to happen this year what's going to happen this year well the first rule of advice is don't listen to it because nobody knows <laughs> absolutely no one knows so there was an article in the Wall Street Journal on actually it was on the 1st of January It was updated January 1st, and it's by uh, Akane uh, uh, Otani, I think is how it's pronounced. The article is entitled, The Bull Market is Charging into 2020. So stocks around the world closed out one of the best years over the past decade, defying money managers who began 2019, expecting the bull market to be upended by threats from the U.S.-China trade fight and a slowdown in growth. Just 12 months ago, the mood was far dimmer. That's for sure. As, as Gary Alexander says, last Christmas Eve, Santa was in a funk. He says retail sales were down 2.2 percent for the month, and the S&P 500 was down uh, a bunch. So 15 percent, it was down through uh, the 24th last year. So when we start off, the, when we're looking at looking back and coming just off of a really big downturn the last month, and really October and December, were both pretty good down months at the end of 2018, it's easy to feel like this is not going to continue. But one of the things we're going to talk about today is to be careful as I read some of these predictions, and, and there's some really Good predictions for next year, and there's some people that are, I always like to give both sides and will give the negative parts, but there's some people predicting some really big increases for the S&P 500 in the stock U.S. stock market this year. So it'll be interesting to hear some of this. But this in this article, when uh, Mr. Otani says um, uh, such runs have been met by skepticism, this time few see the rally ending soon. So right now, even though we have this final day of the decade that he was talking about, uh, he says that, um, the, the skeptics aren't there as much. The Dow Jones industrial average averages more than 170% rise from 2010 to 2020. So the decade of the, of the 2010 decade ranks as just the fourth best decade long performance of the past 100 years. A gain that while respectable doesn't conjure, conjure the fear of excess that rallies in the eighties and nineties did. So that's, I think keep this in perspective. Yes, we've had a good run for 10 years. We came off a real low spot in from March of 09. And, and so we had to gain a lot of grand, gain a lot of ground, regain a lot of ground back to get back up to even and then start rising again from there. So that, that's even this past year when we look at the, S&P 500 growing 30 33 percent, whether or not you include dividends or not. That is tempered somewhat if you go back a month and say, well, if we if we start the first of December instead of the first of January, our returns don't look near as good. So the euphoria shouldn't be as high. So then he quotes uh, BMO Capital Markets and Goldman Sachs estimate the S&P 500 will end at 2020 at 3,400, 5.2 percent above where it closed on uh, Tuesday end of the year. Citigroup and Bank of America have put their target at 3300. So we'll see where it all ends up by the time the end of the year comes around. But um many and then later in the article it says many say it is difficult to pinpoint what exactly could trip up the rally in 2020. Well, my I highlighted that that sentence because no one ever knows. I mean, people who who are the talking heads that's supposed to be the 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 real gurus out there that give you reasons what might happen, whether it's China, whether it's the impeachment, whether it's the election, whatever it is, uh, it seems like it's, it's really the right answer. Certainly, it's not the only answer of why the market goes up or it goes down. So then he quotes uh, Chris Rupke, Chief Financial Economist and Managing Director at MUFG. The headwinds we experienced earlier in 2019 for the trade wars and potential problems with Brexit, those headwinds have diminished sharply, he says. And then he says, adding to that, fears of a, of a U.S. recession have eased, thanks to resilient labor market and signs of solid consumer spending. And now that the coast is looking a bit more clear for the economy, I think it's okay to embrace risk here at this stage, meaning it's okay to go ahead and invest some, because your your odds of having a negative risk in environment, market going down, economy going through a recession, is less than it was before. Uh, some analysts also worry. This is um, the end of the article. Some analysts also worry about whether groups like technology shares, which powered much of the the market's gains in 2019, can continue to rally. The S&P 500 technology sector's 48% rise in 2019 marked its best annual performance since 2009. And the technology oriented communication services sector's 31% advance was the biggest gain since 2006, according to Dow Jones market data. So you've got all, and, and what I always like to, to temper the enthusiasm. We've got a lot of, of comments here of, uh, analysts who a year ago wouldn't have said this that are now saying some real positive things. That you always have to be careful, and we'll try to tie all that in together by the time we're through with Talking Money uh, for this for this particular uh, show. Anyway, so eight seven seven two three five nine four zero five text or call. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back after these messages. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has four distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth. Everyday Stewart, Family Office, and the Professional Athlete Division. The company's largest division, Private Wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of $1 million or higher. Private Wealth Advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with the big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 14 branch offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust branch offices and the advisors serving there, please visit www.ronblue.com. Now back to Talking Money. And we're about 20 minutes after the hour here on Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today. Beginning the 14th year of Talking Money, Hard to believe, but it's been uh, great to be with you all these years. For those new listeners, just a quick reminder, you know, we're not selling anything. We're here to answer your questions. We can do it live. We can call or text us, 877 235 It's a toll-free number, 235 235- 9405. So text us a question or send us a question or just call us and we'll be glad to talk on the air with it. It's easy. It's just like we're talking on the phone and just a few other people listening or hopefully a few more than a few others. But anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's a way for you to get hopefully, uh, what I would say is an objective opinion. It's, it's my opinion. It's my thoughts. And of course, anytime we talk about taxes or estate planning, things that, that are IRAs, you always want to check with your own advisor. To look at your situation to see whether or not the things that we discuss would be applicable to your particular situation. We're talking about the markets today, though, and what's happened for the last year. Everybody's feeling pretty good. Your December, your January, your December statements that you receive in January are going to look pretty good still, as opposed to the January statement you received in 2019, which showed 2018's uh, negative performance. Not too many people happy then, and had several people that, um, would, would, Called with some concerns. Most of our clients do not, but a few did, and it's uh, it's always nice to keep things in perspective, whether things are going well or things are don't appear to be going well. So Bob Dole, I have a lot of respect for Bob Dole, chief equity strategist at uh, Nuveen and Company. He does he puts out his ten predictions every year, and so I look back. I always like to save predictions. It's like uh, when. People ask me, what kind of publications should I read to keep up on things? Uh, should I read a Forbes or Money Magazine or or what are some other good alternatives for that? And one of my recommendations is always to go to the library. Now you can go online. You don't have to go to the library. I, I date myself. You have to go to the library to get the old issues. But you can find old issues of these magazines. So go back a year or, or go back a two, two years, and read articles about the markets, what were they saying back then? What were they predicting? And a lot of times these these articles or these uh, magazines they do predict. So what is their prediction back then? Well, we have the full benefit of hindsight now. So if you look at what they said two years ago or a year ago, and a year ago'd be very interesting after coming off the uh, negative returns at the end of the year. What they were predicting for this year, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that most of them were saying if it was positive, it's not gonna be very positive. It's just gonna be a mediocre year, or some of them might have even said we're gonna continue going down. But look at that, and see how they did then, and then you'll have a better idea if they are reasonable in their predictions, their expectations, were they balanced in their approach? Then you have a good magazine to continue reading if they weren't if they're just trying to say things in a hype kind of fashion in order just to sell more magazines that's not what you want that's not going to get you the information that that you need so bob Dole's, uh 2019 predictions i highlighted just a couple of them and he's he's right on a lot of these things uh, but number 5 was us equities experienced a positive return but failed to reach record highs for the first time in 10 years so this is what he was predicting for 2019 well, I know he's glad that that was wrong and it came back strong. I don't have his 10 predictions for 2020 yet. I'll get those pretty soon. I know he always speaks at the Kingdom Advisors Conference next month, but I think they'll be posted well before then. So we can see if we can access those and see what he's saying for 2020. Although, there again, you look at these predictions, and this is a guy that's been – Dead on for a lot of different things, a lot of different parts of the predictions he's dead on. But this one, this particular one wasn't right. He says non-U.S. stocks outperform U.S. stocks as the dollar sags. dollar didn't sag. U.S. stocks didn't didn't get outperformed by non-U.S. stocks or international stocks. So that did not happen. Number 10 was a double-digit number of Democrats run for the president while President Trump is challenged within his own party. Well, you got the double digits of number of Democrats running for president, right? Cause we're well into double digits for that. Uh, I see, I do see it's getting whittled down here a little bit as each week as some of them have a harder time raising money. Then I see some other ones like Bernie Sanders who, who raised so much money in the fourth quarter. I say, wow. Who would give to somebody like that to, to, to be president? Even if you were a Democrat and liked his ideas. Um, anyway, that's, that's, that's a subject for the guys during the week, not for me. So, and, uh, President Trump so far has not been challenged within his own party. That doesn't look like that is going to happen. So those are the predictions that he was making for 2019 that didn't happen. So what's going to happen in, in 2020? Well, there again, nobody really knows. You make your best guess on what, what thing is going to happen. But I've seen a lot more positive predictions than I have negative predictions, which frankly concerns me. It's, uh, okay. The more everyone starts to kind of get on that bandwagon of things looking good, except there's some very good reasons why they're saying what they're saying, the more I say, okay, but you, but you just don't. Uh, jump on that and go all in for like the one article was saying that it's go ahead to make at risk investments. Well, yeah, you want to, it it's always a good idea to have some in growth type investments even that even if it seems like they're way overvalued in the in the sense of US stocks and that something may happen to to have them have a a drawdown or a downturn or a or a correction that's your long-term money. That's your eight to 10-year-plus money. And so you just can't worry about that. If anything, when when those kinds of events happen, you want to have some ready cash, ready resources to buy back in. So if you had bought in at the end of December last year when things had just gone down 10 15%, just think where you'd be sitting today because you would have caught that at the bottom and you've gone up 30% if you were all in U.S. large stocks, which also we don't recommend because long-term that's not a good diversified strategy. So Gary Alexander, I quoted him earlier in an article about a week ago. He was talking about uh, last Christmas Eve that Santa was in a funk, that retail sales were down, and so forth. So he says, the story of naughty versus nice Federal Reserve policies. So, so, so last year, the Fed raised interest rates one time too many in early December. So we can see that as a cause of what was happening. This year, they cut rates three times. So when you see the money supply start to increase and being looser on money supply that tends just to help financial assets like like stocks so then he says uh, please uh pardon the following musical discursion on christmas eve but feel free to sing along he says but uh he's talking about uh, some songs that were written by not necessarily a financial person but this was interesting i how many little, little christmas uh trivia for you In the depth of depression, he says, the only hope was to spur sales, and maybe Christmas was the answer. On Thanksgiving 1934, so we're like five years past when the 1929 crash happened, Eddie Cantor sang sang on the radio, You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. And Santa Claus became an instant hit with orders for 500,000 copies of the sheet music. You can't say of the, of the CDs <laughs> or the cassettes even or the eight track tape, four track tape. This is way before any of that stuff. Uh, and more than 30,000 records did have records, more than 30,000 records selling within 24 hours. Now how they did that back then without the internet. I don't know, but that's what it says. The song created our first Black Friday sales event. It has been, it's been recorded by over 200 artists. A hit that promotes gift buying for good children. He's making the list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. And he says, well, that's kind of creepy because <laughs> like foretaste for of Orwell's big brother, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. So that's the lyrics by Heaven Gillespie, whose mother gave her nine impoverished children these same warnings. So interesting. So then in 1934, we're going to talk about Ray Evans and a song that he wrote for Christmas called Silver Bells. And uh, What's the background of that and how did that come about and, and how did it make people feel even back then? So by uh, Ray Evans, who was not a, a known songwriter, but actually I think he was a, an economist. That'll be interesting. We'll hear more about that. 877-235-9405 is the phone number or text line. If you've got an iPhone, you can text us. 877-235-9405. So give us a call. We're glad to talk, answer those questions that you have about uh, whatever the financial matter might be. Thanks for listening to Talking Money. We'll be right back. Rocky Money is brought to you by Ronald Blue Trust. With nationwide trust capabilities, Ronald Blue Trust provides wealth management strategies and trust services based on biblical principles to help clients make wise financial decisions Live generously and leave a lasting legacy. With over $8 billion of assets under management and advisement and a network of 14 branch offices, including Greenville, Ronald Blue Trust serves over 8,000 clients in all 50 states through four distinct divisions and offers services across the wealth spectrum in these key areas, financial retirement estate planning, investment management and solutions, charitable giving strategies, personal trust and estate settlement, bill paying, family office services, business consulting, and institutional client services. More information about Ron Blue Trust can be found at ronblue.com. Now back to Talking Money. We're coming up at about 25 before the hour here on Talking Money. So glad you joined us today. And if you want more information about the upstate office of Ronald Blue Trust, that's the office I'm in. It's uh, ronblue.com forward slash Greenville. We'll get you the team right here in the Greenville area in addition to the team that's, uh, that's nationwide now as part of the Ronald Blue Trust team. So if you got a question for me today, we are talking money. That's what we're here for to, to answer your financial questions. 877-235. 9405 you can text a question or give us a call and we'll be glad to get you in the on the air and see if we can answer your question like we're going to try with jim right now and welcome to talking money jim good to have you with us this morning how are you today hello i'm good good what's your question for me um both me and my wife are retired but we still had earned income i put money into a roth ira okay and i discovered lately that it, it was actually a fund of funds from um 10 or 11 different funds from the same company. Okay. Was that a good idea? Is it kind of roundabout, and would it just create more um, bureaucracy? Uh, no, actually, the, and there again, depending on which, funded, which fund family it's from, I've talked to a lot about the T. Rowe Price, the Fidelity's, the Vanguard's. They all have fund of funds like that, and they have some that are target date retirement funds. And some that are just fund of funds, and essentially what they do is take eight to ten to twelve different mutual funds that they already manage, and they allocate that for you. So what they're doing is putting it together for you, so you don't have to fool with trying to figure out should I buy a little this, little that, little the other. They do it for you, and they change it typically pretty regularly. Each month you'll see a, a plus or a minus next to one of the investments where they added to it or took away from it. But the costs are it, are generally pretty reasonable if it's one of those fund families. The 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 is reasonable for what you're getting with this diversification uh, from that the the main drawback I have and and this is something to, to be careful with is as especially as a retiree if you start to take money out of this uh, if you're putting in a roth at this point maybe it's because you're wanting to have this money be passed on to the kids tax- free I don't know what your reason for for yes I had that thought okay so but what if you're going to use it for income, And it's in a regular IRA or even a Roth. And when you, when you sell some of that fund in order to create cash then they're going to sell a piece of everything in that fund. You don't have the uh, privilege or the opportunity to say, okay, I just want to sell this part of it and this part of it that are up now and leave the rest of them that are down alone. They're going to sell some of each of it. So I recommend when you get to where you're going to be taking some money out that you keep some money separate from those funds so you have some flexibility on distribution point. But but otherwise – Especially for smaller uh, amounts of investments, I think it's a great way. If it's if it's if it's a good fund family and they do a good job with that, I have to hedge it with that then i think it's a it's a good way to invest cuz it gets you the, the diversification you need without you having to it's actually probably a little less expensive ends up for you maybe instead of you buying cuz if you have to pay a transaction fee for every single one that you bought then that would be more expensive than just buying one where they buy them all for you so does that help jim is that uh, what you Yes have? yes i feel a lot better now <laughs> good yeah okay so that's no problem so you say you you did the roth Did you convert some? You you just made new contributions with current earnings, as opposed to converting some traditional Roth, traditional IRAs to a Roth. Yeah, that's right. It was new money. Okay, all right. So, and you're able to do that. Matter of fact, they're this Secure Act is changing some of those rules too. We're going to talk about some of that uh, later in the month uh, with Alan Cox from the. The uh, our estate tax specialist down at Ronald Trust, is going to come up. We're going to talk more about that new SECURE Act. It'll it'll answer some of those questions as well. But, yeah, I think you're fine. There, again, depending on what fund family you used for it, Um you want to make sure it's a, a low-cost fund family, and they do a good job. There's a lot of those out there, so you can always research and look at T. Rowe Price and Vanguard and Fidelity and just see which one looks the best for you and just uh, head in that direction. Okay, thank you very All right. much. thanks for the call, Jim. Okay. Have a great Bye. weekend. Okay, thank you, too. Bye. Bye. All right, so 877-235-9405 is our phone line if you want to give us a call. Or, of course, it's easy just to send a text, the same number, 877 235 Nine four zero five. I do believe I did try once to send a text to Joey during his program at just the two. If I'm in the eight six four area code, I thought, well, I'll just use the two three five nine four zero five number and try to text. It didn't go through. But if you use the eight seven seven two three five, because that's a a landline that is not capable of taking of accepting text, so you have to use the eight seven seven two three five nine four zero five. That does accept text. And of course, it is still except the old fashioned phone calls as well, like, uh, like we just had with Jim. So appreciate that call from Jim. All right. So continuing in the conversation about the, the markets, where they are and what kind of predictions we have for, for next, uh, for this year, it's already this year, 2020 and talking about the, some songs that were written back when things weren't so, going so well back in uh, the early 1930s. Well, 1934, so this is about the same time Eddie Cantor had written this song um, about the, um, he's making a list, checking it twice, the Santa Claus uh, song. Uh, Ray Evans played clarinet and sax in the University of Pennsylvania band with pianist Jay Livingston. Ray was studying economics at the Wharton School of Business. His senior thesis was, quote, the relation between the central bank member banks, and the money market, unquote. Years later, Ray and Jay wrote Silver Bells, which promoted commerce, romanticized shopping for gifts, and even glorified gridlock. So, the of course, you've heard the, the lyrics before. Strings of streetlights, even stoplights, blink a bright red and green as the shoppers rush home with their treasures. That's from Silver Bells written in 1950. So he wrote that about 16 years later by economist Ray Evans, who would have thunk? So when it comes to Santa's bailiwick, uh, Gary says, retail sales last December brought a dismal minus 2.2% drop, partly due to the huge stock market losses then. But the first 11 months of 2019, they brought a, us cumulative 5.7% gains. That's in retail sales again he's talking about. So he says, uh, in 2020, global growth may revive due to two new trade deals. He says, phase one of the U.S. trade deal with China has avoided an escalation of tariffs for now, and Congress has finally passed the USMC, United States-Mexico-Canada um, Trade Act, NAFTA, replacement Bill to open trade barriers with our two biggest trading partners, Mexico and Canada. It's not a perfect bill because it offers the job protectionism Trump savers, but it greases the skids of cross-border trade going into the new year, which is going to be a positive thing for for the U.S. economy. And later on, he says, U.S. exports five times more to Mexico and Canada than to China. Kind of interesting. Most people don't know that. Experts Experts say... That the, the new USMCA deal would create hundreds of thousands of new jobs and usher in a wave of prosperity for all three neighbor nations. Global surveys show that global growth should revive in 2020 after a year of slowdown warnings in major publications, which we had a lot of that last year. It is likely that President Trump will put his first most flaming trade war rhetoric on the back burner, put his, not first, put his most Flaming trade war rhetoric on the back burner as he tries to keep GDP growth and stock market humming in 2020. So behold, the 2010s, the first decade, this is the first decade we've had without a recession. We've gone the whole decade without a recession. That's that's pretty phenomenal. Okay, so then uh, he ends his article, the recent rise in real wages and savings rate, along with the growing pile of cash in the sidelines, should fuel stock market expansion and rising retail sales in 2020. A tight labor market should boost productivity which would allow nominal wages to continue increasing faster than consumer prices. All right, so we're going to take his phone call from uh, Phil in Walhalla. Then we're going to get back to what Louis Navalier says about his predictions. I think uh, this is going to perk you up a little bit when we hear what he's talking about for next year. But let's go ahead and switch before a break to Phil calling us from Walhalla. Good morning, Phil. Welcome to Talking Money. Good morning. I've been reading a lot where they talk about uh, the indexed, ETFs and mutual funds are doing much better than a managed mutual fund. What is your opinion of you know, building a portfolio of a diversified, you know, grouping of funds, you know, whether it be like the total stock market Vanguard and uh, international index ETF? Yeah, yeah. Um, what's your feelings about that? Well, my, my general idea is this. So the, the ETFs are are primarily indexes. They're just, they're just sold in a different way. So you might have the Vanguard Total Market Return Stock uh, Fund, which is a mutual fund and it uh, is an index fund, tries to replicate the total stock market index. And there'd be an ETF that does the same thing that you might get from a different company that puts out those kind of indexes. So it's, uh, so the decision, it sounds like your question really is, more of you know indexes versus managed funds and and I think you'll always going to find the, the there's the majority of managed mutual funds so this is an active manager who is trying to beat those indexes that that most of them uh, don't beat those indexes over time now they'll they 'll beat it at times, but there are some managers that we've used consistently over ten plus years who have beat it over the long haul so my my general um, recommendation for folks. And this is what we do at Runnable Trust. What we did at Plan First is we, we put together a combination of, of investments inside the portfolio. So you might have a Vanguard total market return fund or an ETF that does the same thing and have that as a core portfolio. And then you'll have some other managers around that that have shown themselves to be, um, persistently, consistently beating those indexes over time. And it gives you kind of the best of both worlds. If you don't want to have to fool with trying to figure out which managers those are, then I think, yeah, just doing a, a good portfolio, diversified there again, not just large U.S. stocks, but throwing in some international stocks, show, throw in some small company, mid-sized company stocks, throw in value versus growth. This is where it gets kind of tricky for most people trying to figure out what to do with all that. Um, but using something like the Vanguard total market, uh, return fund. I think that, like then Schwab has one. Many companies have those total market return funds. Is a, a pretty good basis for your U.S. portion because it's going to have mainly large stocks because the the stock market is obviously mostly large U.S. stocks in the in the U.S. But there'll be some medium and small size company stocks in there. And the last time it's been a while since I've heard John Bogle say this, but he. His recommendation was not the S&P 500; it was the total market return fund. This, but this has been several years ago. He may change that before he passed away. But so I think a good combination. But I I think to keep uh, an inexpensive portfolio and still keep it well diversified, that a diversified portfolio of of uh, index funds and or ETFs uh, is is a good way to go if you feel comfortable making those allocations on your own. Does so it like the Vanguard Total Stock or the Schwab Broad Market? Do they cover the small market funds? Yeah, and yeah they do some as but, well. Yeah, they do some. So there's a percentage of that. But but I've always been a believer in the small, especially the small value and mid-sized value companies. So uh, when when we were designing the portfolios before we moved to Ronald Blue Trust, uh, we we had the portfolio um, leaning more, had it had skewed more toward small and value. So we would take the Vanguard Total Market Index Fund or the Schwab Total Market Index Fund and then add uh, some uh, larger percentages of small value, small growth, mid-value, because that, that's our leaning was that way for, for a long-term portfolio to round out the U.S. portion. Then, of course, you'd have the the international emerging markets and all that in there as well. But for the U.S. portion, that's kind of how my thought process was there. that makes sense? Okay. Very good. Yes, yes, it does. All right. Thanks for the call, Phil. Okay. Anything else? No, that's it. Thanks. All right. Thanks for the call. Okay, we are a little past the time for uh my last break, so we'll be taking that break. If you want to get on the program before we finish the first program of 2020, yeah, don't forget to keep using that on your checkbook and everything else, 2020 instead of 2019, 877-235-9405. You can text or call 877-235-9405. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ron Blue Trust has four distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum. Private Wealth, Everyday Steward, Family Office, and the Professional Athlete Division. The company's largest division, Private Wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of $1 million or higher. Private Wealth Advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with the big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 14 branch offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust branch offices and the advisors serving there, please visit www.ronblue.com. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. We've got about nine minutes left here today. If you want more information about the local office of Ronald Blue Trust, you can go to ronblue.com forward slash Greenville or simply give me a call. Our phone number locally is 800 588 7526 goes to the local upstate office of Ronald Blue Trust. 800 formerly Plan first. Those of you who are long term listeners remember that name. We've merged together those two firms. 800-588 plan or 7526. Uh, feel free to give me a call. Love to hear from you. We can talk through whether or not it seems like uh, we might be a good fit for what you need. But that's, and that's all we're going to do. We're not going to try to make sure that that, um, that that square peg fits in that round hole no that's not going to be what we do it's we we're going to act as a as a sounding board and see what it is you need see if one of the different things in uh, different services that we offer is a good fit for you so uh talking about the potential for this year what's going to happen for this year so, uh, Louis Navalier had a an article he put in his uh, he posted this week in his blog. He says that he's talking about real estate and just the upcoming year. He says according to the National Association of Home Builders, their confidence index rose to 76 in December, up from revised 71 in November, is now at the highest level in the past 20 years. He says that uh um, NAHB chairman says builders are continuing to see the housing rebound that began in the spring, supported by a low supply of existing homes, low mortgage rates, and a strong labor market. On uh, Tuesday, the Commerce Department announced that the new housing starts rose 3.2% in November to an annual pace of $1.37 million. And it says uh, the growing demand for mortgages to fuel the housing boom is now pushing market rates up even though the Fed had made it clear that it does not intend to raise rates in 2020, which is typical Fed behavior in a presidential election year. And the proven economy is notorious for putting upward pressure on market rates, simply because credit demand is rising. So we'll see how that goes as the election gets closer. He says, uh, right now, the 10-year Treasury bond yield remains slightly below the S&P 500's dividend yield. So in other words, if you bought an index that just had the S&P 500 uh, replica, that dividend yield would be putting out more than the the 10-year the treasury bond, which is considered, of course, the safe thing. So I expect a steady appreciation in the upcoming months. Presidential years, election years are usually good for the stock market, he says. He says, although the Democratic candidate will not be finalized until the convention in Wisconsin next July, I'm expecting a moderate, positive candidate to prevail. So that's interesting. We'll see which, which moderate actually gets, because it seems like the ones who aren't moderate are the ones that, are, are coming the strongest president trump is clearly a cheerleader in chief for economic growth unemployment and the stock market which bodes well for 2020 with the tension associated with the chinese trade spat now ebbing the financial media is really struggling to find something to make investors worry i expect brexit to dominate the financial news in january january because that happens january 31st i believe and then he says furthermore since britain has positive interest rates this is very interesting Britain has positive interest rates while the rest of Europe is a in negative interest rates. so their their government bonds are at negative interest rates where Britain is positive european European capital should naturally flow into Britain seeking higher yields and a strong <laughs> higher yields yields at all in a strong currency so his bottom line after all this is this background underlies my forecast. Of maybe we should have a roll or something. Forty thousand for the Dow Jones Industrials in 2020. Forty thousand. So we're going up about twelve thousand. That's a huge increase. As of last Friday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, yield an average of two point two three, while the ten-year Treasury bond yields of one point nine two, and the S and P yields one point eight two percent. So he says a uh, rally, a 40% rally to Dow 40,000 in the next year, I feel is very possible since yield hungry investors are still chasing quality dividends, as well as a favorable 23.8% maximum federal tax rate on qualified dividends. So there you have it. We'll, we'll uh, see what happens. And we'll certainly be able to look at this more in the coming year to see if, uh, if that really does uh, happen, what happens uh, down the road for 2020. Oh, let's see. Now we got a text came in from Denise. Let's see. IRA 70,000 for the last 30 years, just sitting with drawing once per year for hardships. What to do? All right. Don't know exactly what that means. What to do? Like how to invest? So maybe uh, Denise sends some, some more uh, information about this and see if uh, we can get a little more clarity on what you're looking for. But if you're drawing once a year for hardships, uh, $70,000, you know, where to invest it? It depends on your risk profile, how much the, how much the, uh, the distribution is versus the 70,000 that's, that's sitting in. Uh, sometimes those fund of funds that, uh, we were talking about, um, earlier that, uh, with the caller would, would be something that you would consider doing that it might, um, be better to do about that. So, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, Try to spend some more time on that, maybe uh, when it comes. But that's that's tough when you've got uh, an IRA and you're thinking, I've got uh, withdrawals and for hardships. That means there must be some economic difficulty, some financial pressure in in your life as well. Um, that uh, it makes it hard. So I think uh, so. A little follow up about 65 years old, um, an R I D, an R D A uh required distribution amount, I think. Uh what to do about it. So there again, do you, do you need you trying to look for how to invest it or um or what exactly the specific question. So, so, uh, we'll let you go ahead and, and send some more text. I'll make a note of it and we'll make sure we cover it in a, in a future talking money. So some of the, we got this 40,000 number, uh, for the Dow Jones. So, uh, you know, should we put some, some damper on that? So I don't know, uh, Louis Navalier, he's a stock guy, but he's not, uh, usually that euphoric. So there's some things he's seeing that he's done it for a long time. So in the, the last Schwab, uh, market perspective, they're talking about uh, some pundits and investors have dismissed still soft manufacturing. So if you look at the ISM Manufacturing Index, it's been below 50 for several months, which means it's not in expansion territory. It's in contraction territory now. So that has been some weakness in manufacturing in the U.S. But because it's an increasingly smaller share of the U.S. economy, some people are saying it's not as big a deal. Then they say, uh, the article says, um, yet the reality is that it is more cyclical in nature. That means manufacturing with a higher correlation to corporate profits and tends to lead the rest of the economy. In other words, manufacturing punches above its weight. Absent a meaningful rebound in soft or survey-based measures such as the ISM indexes, And hard data, such as industrial production and business investment, manufacturing's malaise may start to spill over into services with employment being the main transmission mechanism. So that's some, it may affect the services side, even though the manufacturing side is becoming a smaller part of the U.S. economy. It's still an important part. So it's, um, it's something that we need to – I think we really would like to see that increasing. I think that's a, a little kink in the armor here when you're looking forward to this year, that that could be a, at least a, a uh, cap or uh, a ceiling on some of the returns versus what we might have if that wasn't if, – if manufacturing was going full-fledged, that that would be – it. make it a completely different scenario, I think. So anyway, that's uh, our first summary for uh, 2020. Next week, as I said, we're talking about IRAs and talking about some distributions, how the tax and strategies for those, especially if you're over seven and a half, comparing gifting with qualified charitable distributions versus giving appreciated assets, those kind of things. That's all of our discussion for next week. And, of course, always ready to answer your questions. Go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com, TalkingMoneyRadio.com to either see, uh, hear other shows or if you want to submit a question, ask Mike a question there at uh, TalkingMoneyRadio.com or give me a call, 800-588-7526. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week with more Talking Money.